<laughs> Man, I think Jeff's a little crazy, to be honest with you. But, and some of you are like, who's this cat? <laughs> well, I hide in the shadows usually. Um, it's fun. No, but my name's Brad. I've been here for a long time, but man, I just love to you know, be able to st- talk for a little bit. Um, I'm sure thankful for Pastor Jeff. And you know, as he's out you know, visiting our other campuses, whatever he's doing right now, I'm just thankful for him and um, for the work we get to do. But we can handle some hard questions together. So I will do my best and walk out of here. Maybe we'll walk out of here with more questions than answers, but I don't think that's always a bad thing. But you know, sometimes it is. Um, one thing I do want to draw attention to, man, I, I'll be honest with you, I feel like we could just go home and listening to people's stories about how God changed their life, singing songs about how God can change our lives and all those things. I feel so encouraged about who Jesus is just through already, you know, so I'll try not to blow it. But, but one thing um, Todd talked about was this thing called discovery. And we have a discovery process here at our church. I'd encourage you, if you've never done that, maybe you're new or maybe you've just been coming for a while, but you just always um, fill up the rows, but maybe haven't taken that next step. And there's no pressure, but I encourage you in your right time, maybe check that, uh, maybe check that discovery thing out. Because what I love about discovery, I've been able to lead parts of it at times. And when I get excited about it, there's a bunch of stuff in there. But it helps me and helps all of us understand a little bit of what it looks like to follow Jesus and how me and my personal following of Jesus how the church interacts with that and why, um, you know, why we're all here together and all that stuff. So I'd encourage you to check that out and I promise you it'll be time well spent. So I think it's June the 25th, but all the information is on, the, on that um, weekly thing there. You can find out about that. All right, so I thought, since some of you don't know me, I thought I could use the time to flex a little bit because I want to impress you with how great I am. You know, because that's really what we should go for, right? In God's house, impressing people. No, just kidding. But I want to tell you this, so I have to be honest. I'm really good at basketball. And you might not have known that, but I am. I can dominate. I mean, I really can. I've been playing basketball my whole life. And when I play, I mean, it's just like, it's good, good things happen. And, you know, and people, I love when people cheer my name and all this kind of stuff. And I love playing basketball. I still play it all the time. I really do. And we have this little court at my house. And when I play with my 11-year-old, it's pure domination. I mean, it's pure. I mean, I don't know why you're laughing. I mean, he's, he's, he's four something tall, you know, and he's a sweet boy. He's not real competitive. And, and it's just, basketball might not be his thing, but it's definitely not his thing when he plays against me. No mercy. He has not made one in a long time. I just get that, get that weak stuff out of here. Boom, no. I mean, my goodness, it must be Thanksgiving with how much stuff is happening in my yard. You know, I mean, it's all the time. I dominate him. I don't score. And then, and then I just back him down in the post. I just score on him constantly. I mean, I'm how tall. I mean, I reach like this. He's like... You know, these like little Tyrannosaurus Rex arms trying to grip to me. He just can't do it. He's not good compared to me. I mean, because I'm the best on my driveway in my house. Now here's some, but here's the thing. Some of you know my secrets. Not to how good I am, but some of you have actually played with me. You're like, um, as the kids would say, that's cap up there because <laughs> that's, that's a lie because he's not very good. I've played, some of you have played with me and you know that I'm average at best. I'm all of 50 years old and not very good at it. But when I play with my kid at home, I dominate. And so if my son just thinks about, hey, to him, I'm a really good basketball player. But if he never saw anyone else play, that's all he would know. You know, I think, and we talk about this conversation we're going to talk about tonight is, aren't we all basically, basically good is the question. Well, really, I think the answer is, it depends. Who are we comparing ourselves to? So look, look at basketball. So if I compare myself to my 11-year-old all day, I'm the best. Domination. Seriously. I mean, if he, if he was, never mind, he just can't, he can't, can't even score. It's not even about how many points, it's zero every time. But if he plays against me. Now, if I go step on the court with somebody else, it's like, I'm not scoring ever. You know, I'm, I'm just good. Aren't we all basically good? I think a lot of times it depends. Who are we comparing ourselves to? 
We use the phrase good a lot. Oh, that's a good movie, right? Some of us have a bunch of different opinions about movies. I hate movies that are sad. I hate movies where anybody like of seriousness dies in them. I hate those kind of movies. I want to watch movies that are all happy all the time. So I get so frustrated with superhero movies. These guys are supposed to be superheroes. They're always supposed to save the day. They're never supposed to die. Everything's supposed to work out good in the end. That's the way they're supposed to work. Now superhero movies, you don't even know who the good guys are anymore. I'm like, this stinks. I hate this. And my kids would come home and say, no, Dad, you don't understand the plot of this whole story. It's really a good movie. I'm like, not to me, it's not. I think it stinks. Music. You know, we all have opinions. Anybody here ever listen to music? Wow, this side. You guys podcast or... Bet you're a lot of fun at parties, right? You don't even listen to music. <laughs> okay, how about movies? Anybody watch movies? This side? Okay, we got five, six, seven. Okay, boy. Whew, now we see why the theaters are closing all over the place. The movies died. Huh, go figure. Anyway, somebody still watches them. But we all have our different opinions about songs. People can say, oh, the structure of this song. What a beautiful piece of artwork it is. I mean, the way the melody is and all that stuff, and the way this or that, the structure. People say, that's a good song. I'm like, I don't like it. So no, it's not. I'm, it's all subjective, right? We all have our opinions. What I think is a good song, you might think that song stinks. It's so boring. It's just repetitive. I'm like, well, if I can't sing along to it and enjoy it, then it's not a good song. But Brad, you don't understand art. You're right, I don't. And I don't care. I didn't download Spotify so that I could sit there and pontificate about what are good songs or not. I listen to songs to put me in my feels, you know what I mean? How I want to be in the right moment, what, how they want to do. So we all have these different things. We all have ways in which we go and we're, and we're subjective. How do you know if your football team that you love is really good? How do you know? We've watched them play against other teams. And if they beat those other teams, regardless of how they beat them, you say, my team's good. Your team stinks. Why does your team stink? Well, my team beats your team, so your team stinks. Mine has more wins than your does, so your team stinks. Mine's good, right? It's all subjective. Well, here's the thing. I think a lot of times... As people, that's what we do too. We compare ourselves to other people. I'm a good person. Well, who are you good compared to? It depends. I mean, I'm not as good as that person, but I mean, I'm keeping score. I think I'm doing, I think I'm doing pretty good. Because here's the thing. We might do things for people that we think are good things, but they might not like it. I, I, I like to be friendly. I try to be friendly anyway. You know, I'm maybe just trying to make my mother proud, you know, who's with the Lord. But I don't know why, but I try to be friendly. So I want to rush to open the door for somebody. Has anyone ever got yelled at for opening the door for somebody? I have. Yeah, I definitely have. I'm like, I just opened the door. Well, you don't understand what you did by, what you're communicating by opening the door. I'm like, oh, you're right. I didn't. I'm sorry. I was just trying to do, be a good guy. Or how about maybe sit down with a stranger on an airplane? And they see me coming down here, my little 6'3 body coming down here, you know, awkward to get in a row. And then you have the dreaded middle seat. I always feel bad for the two ladies I have to sit between. You know, well, for some people, if I talk to people, talk to strangers, try to have conversations, well, that's a good guy. Man, he's really nice. But some of you are like, oh man, I hope nobody ever talks to me on the plane. I just want to listen with my headphones. And you think, I'm not that good of a guy. You know, we all have our different things um, that we do. So how do we know if we're really good? Well, I think that's before we dive into all of that. Are we basically good or not? Um, it depends. What I'd like us to do is think about what's the motivation for asking the question? I really believe, now I'm an optimist. Yeah, I'm really working hard to try to see the best in people. I really want to see the best in people. I mean, in all seriousness, I don't want to be judgmental. I want to, you know, try to think about, okay, what, I mean, a person's mean to me. I'm trying to see them the way that Jesus would, all that stuff. But I'm pretty optimistic. I really believe that most of us are trying to be good people. 
I think most of us deep down are motivated to do good. We want to be the good guy. I think most of us don't want to be the jerk. Most of us don't want to be known as a school bully. Most of us don't want to be known as the person that ruined this or ruined that. We want to be known as good people. I really believe that's probably most of our motivation. We just want to do good things. Maybe we have different motives and all this stuff. But a lot of times what I find is when we try to do good things, oftentimes our motivations or whatever, we just get misguided. We think, oh, that's a good thing. And then it ends up being something that hurts somebody else. And we didn't know. But at least we're trying. So I really believe it comes down to what is the motivation? Well, why am I asking? Aren't we all basically good? Am I asking that because I look at other people and I think, well, I'm better than them. I'm better than this person. I'm better than that. Whatever it is. I think we all ask a bunch of different things and look at different questions. So I thought what we'd do tonight is instead of just talking about it, let's start answering the question. So are we all basically good? Well, I've got some good news and some bad news. What do you want to hear first? Bad news. Bad news. Oh, wow, you guys do? I hate that. I'm always like the optimist. I want to hear the good news first because maybe I'll die before the bad news happens and I never knew it. I don't know. Give me the good stuff. Like when you sit down on a plate, like sometimes I will eat my broccoli before I eat like the good stuff because I want the good stuff to last. But let me tell you, if there's a Burger King Whopper there, I'm eating that way before the fries because I want the good stuff. Okay, so are we all basically good? So well, since you want it this way, and only because of that, not because I planned this already, but, the bad, but I got bad news. We aren't. We're not naturally good people. And I believe probably deep down, you know what I'm talking about. Because you know who you really are. You know, when it's quiet, you know, the things people don't like to talk about at parties, all those times. So when you're in your still little silent moments at nighttime, you know what your motivations are. You know why you do things. You know why you don't. I have to confess sometimes I'm not a very good person. When my wife was having babies, we have four boys. When my wife was having babies, there were times where I pretended I didn't hear them crying. I'm seriously, like the baby would be crying and then knew my wife was tired of sleeping. I just want to pretend like I was sleeping more. I'm not a good person. I mean, how selfish is that? You know, it's like, oh yeah, you've you know, birthed these children. I mean, I, I probably had a cold that was probably just as equivalent, I'm guessing, but um, that was a joke. 100% a joke. You know, um, but I'm not, I mean, I, but I hear them crying, but it's like, hey, I'm more important than you, so I'm just going to stay awake. And you know, those of us, sometimes some of us that push the snooze button, knowing it's going to be, make us late for somebody, somebody or appointment or a time with somebody, and you're thinking, oh, they won't care because I just want to sleep a little bit longer. You know, deep down. Well, we can compare to other people or what we think is good, what we don't think is good, but you guys didn't hear, just come, come here to hear Brad's opinions. So I think we should go into the Bible and see what the Bible has to say. So there's a book of the Bible called Romans. There's a guy named Paul. Paul was a guy who in the way he lived his life was very good. He kept all the rules. He was very religious and all those things. But one day he realized in his attempts to be good that he was very misguided. And in fact, his whole mission was to try to end the story of Jesus. He wanted to end the followers of the way. He wanted all Christians to kind of cease. That's what he wanted to do. He thought he was doing good by following his religion to the T. And in ways, he looked like the best person. In the end, he calls himself the worst of sinners because he realized the whole thing he was fighting against is what he really should have been living for. So Jesus, in a miraculous way, in Acts chapter 7, you can read through Acts 7, 8, and then in 9, 
Jesus appears to him. At the time, his name was Saul, or Saul, Paul, whatever. Jesus appears to him and says, he calls him to follow him. That's why he's called an apostle, because he saw Jesus right there face to face. And he says, Jesus says, follow me. And he did. And he changed forever. He went from being someone who thought he was good, had misguided goodness, to someone who's persecuting Christ followers, to someone who became the, the chief of Christ followers, as we would look through. The reason why I say that is because most of the New Testament is written by him. The New Testament is the second half of the Bible. And so he's writing this letter, um, this book, Romans, if you will. If you ever want to have um, theology on your brain, it's a good book to read through. But we've kind of, through these questions we've been asking, have been bouncing through Romans here a little bit. There's so much depth in there. We're only, for the sake of conversation, just going to touch on a little bit. But in there he's writing, and he starts writing to these Romans, these Christians who are in Rome. And some people would have thought Rome was a good empire. The Christians, probably not so at the time, right? So they were having a tough time, and Paul's writing to them about what it looks like to follow Jesus and what that looks like in real time. And so he addresses this issue in Romans chapter 3, and he starts by quoting some parts of the Old Testament. Let me read this for you. You can look in your Bible or on the app there, Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. He says this, As the Scriptures say, no one is righteous. No one, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away and have become, all have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. If you want to question and pontificate about it or to think about it at times, your research is, can a person who doesn't know God really do good actions? That's a whole other conversation for you for another day. That's another question we can ask sometime. But then he says this in Romans 3.23 down there. He says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Here we go. No one is righteous, not even one. Well, Brad, but I'm a, I'm a good person. I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I'm not as good as some people, but like in my office, like I don't steal. I ask people how their day is going. You know, I work hard. I punch in a clock and I work hard. I work on my hours. I, I work hard on my sports team. Well, Paul's saying, according to God, no one is righteous and not even one. And then here's how he has the right to say this. He says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Everyone, not just the bad guys, or at this time, not just the Romans, but even you followers of Christ. Paul's saying, even me, who Jesus called out by name, we all, everyone, has sinned and has fallen short of God's glorious standard. God has an incredibly high standard for his people. Incredibly high. God cares very much about how we live. And what he means by this is fall, we've all sinned. Sin is basically when we miss the mark that God laid out for us. When we miss the thing. So I, um, I brought a ladder of goodness, I'm going to call it, okay? It's a step ladder. Don't worry, I follow all the directions on here. I don't want to be like this guy falling down on there. So I'll do my best. Anyone here not like heights? I don't like heights. I mean, why some people get on some of these rides at Cedar Point is beyond me. Seriously, and then people jump out of airplanes. I'm not even sure we're supposed to be flying, let alone jumping out of them. But anyway, let's say this is a ladder of goodness. We as people all along, I think we want to do good things. And we want to strive to be better. We get frustrated when we're not. We probably want to be good sons, good daughters. We want to be known as the good guy, the good person, the good spouse, the good athlete, the good teammate. I mean, no one wants to hear a coach say, man, you're a bad teammate. Oh, that would hurt. We want to be good. And so what we do is we spend a lot of our lives striving to be good. Well, I'm going to try to be nice to my neighbor. Oh, that's really nice. Oh, look at them. You know, I mean, I'll try not to park in front of their house. I'll, um, you know, I, I baked them brownies 15 years ago. I'm a nice guy. And we do that and say, oh, boy, 
you know, then I heard there's these starving children in the world, so I guess I'll give up two hours and go pack meals and feed my starving children. Okay, that's getting kind of high, you know? But it's like, how good can I get? And so we try getting, that's about as high as I'm gonna go. I ain't gonna, I'm not really that scared of it, but um, maybe. Okay, but like some of us, no matter how we climb, if you get the way up here and even break all the rules and stand on top of this one, that's only so good that we can get. Because what God is saying is you can strive and you can try your best all you want, but you're never going to be good enough. All have sinned. Everyone misses the mark. And you know that. Because you know how you live. You might got those actions locked down. You might be good where you don't, you don't blow up at your kids. You might be good where you don't like, you know, say the wrong words when you're in certain situations. You might be good where you don't steal. You might be good, you might have the actions settled down. But you know what your heart is really like. You know who you really are and how you feel towards people. See, aren't we all basically good? I really believe that we want to be good. But who are we comparing ourselves to? Well, good. I, I made it this high when it came to goodness. I'm up here. I'm even, I am super good because I'm nice or I'm kind or I cut my neighbor's grass or I said hi to the person no one else would say hi to. We want to be good. So I thought what we do is instead of comparing ourselves to each other, instead of looking like how's my football team compared to your football team, we look at a good comparison. Now look at, like I said before, God has really high standards for us in the way that we live our lives. I really believe we talk a lot about how much God loves us. And like we just sang a song which is powerful, God's there for us. We believe God loves us. A lot of us do. Some of us are still wondering, we're still figuring that out. But God loves us way too much to just leave us where we are. You know, God has a really hard standard to make. It's a lot harder than how many bad words did I say or how many good things can I say. Listen to what he says. Let's look at a good comparison. Here's how God wants us to live. Here's the standard he set for us. Remember Paul said, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. First one, God commands and tells us all, be holy like I am holy. The word holy means pure, spotless, blameless. And we believe that God, in the book of 1 John says, God is light in him, there's no darkness at all. God is perfect, completely pure, completely holy. And that's the standard he calls us to live. I'm not gonna pick on anybody in this room. I know I fall short of that standard. I know my motives. I know the way I, I am when I'm driving sometimes. I know how I feel when I see, how I feel when I, the judgment I cast on people when I see, see things on social media. I know the way I show favoritism. I know the ways I interact with my spouse where I do not consider their needs more, her needs more than, important, more than mine. I know how it is when I come to my children. How sometimes I'd rather choose taking a rest than go doing something. I know I am not holy. But God says that's what you're supposed to do. So some of us, we get, we get crossed off right here. I want you to be honest with yourself. Are you pure? Are you spotless? No darkness in you at all. Or you have a little bit of shady to you. And I think we all do, if we're honest. Look here's the next one. Here's what Jesus, here's how God wants us to live our lives. He wants us to imitate, be imitators of God. The way that Jesus lived, if you want, I think one of the great things I love to do when it comes to my personal devotion with the Lord, personal time with the Lord, is read through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first four books, 
of the New Testaments where we see all the actions when Jesus is actually living on earth. And we see these different accounts about him. And they're all written from a different perspective. Look at the way he treated people. Look at the way Jesus interacted with people. Jesus never went after the popular person. Jesus never demonstrated favoritism. Jesus saw people that everyone said you're untouchable. Jesus touched them. Jesus saw people that the religious and the church type people ignored. Jesus went to them. Jesus saw, uh, saw a woman who was thrown away by society. And Jesus met her where she was. I said, be imitators of God. Forgive like God has forgiven us. Think about that standard. Let's keep going or else we could talk about these all day. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God's saying, here's the standard I have for you, that you love me above everything else, that there's never a time where you consider your focus on something else more, more um, than you're focused on me. And then he says this, love your neighbor as yourself. A lot of times we remember this word right here, love your neighbor. So we think, okay, I'll be nice to my neighbor. I'm not gonna yell at them. I'll let them cut in front of me in traffic. Well, maybe that's going too far. But um, whatever it is, a lot of times, love but he says, love your neighbors yourself. That means we gotta be as concerned about your neighbor's needs as much as we're concerned about our own. I don't know about you, but that's not me. That means I've gotta be as concerned about 1260 Delia as I do about 1258 Delia, my address. I've gotta be concerned about that household like myself. I fall way short of that standard. But I think a lot of people in the world love this. I think if you have a love your neighbor bumper sticker, you'd probably be approved by most people in our world. Our culture adopts that, they love that. Here's the problem I think which really separates us as Christ followers and what should be a differentiator for us. What is a standard that is incredibly hard to keep. It's one thing loving your neighbor. It's even one thing loving God, he's easy to talk about and sing about, but what about this next one? Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. This is a really hard one. Because nobody does this. Our culture doesn't do this. Because there are certain things you do in our culture. I'm not even talking about Christians. That Christians do. There are certain things you do in our culture that are unforgivable. And always be enemies. But Jesus says that love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Are we all basically good? Depends. At basketball, I'm a lot better than my 11-year-old, as much as I love him. And one day, maybe he'll be better than me. Doubt it, but maybe he will be. But in life, aren't we all basically good? Who are you comparing yourself to? The standard God has set for us. Ooh, that's a high standard. It's really easy to say God loves me. It's easy to forget that God wants me to be perfect like he is, to be holy. It's really easy to say, man, I just love singing about God. It's really hard to imitate him. Oh, man, I love God with everything. It's really hard to love God with my money, with my time. Love your neighbors yourself. Oh, that's really easy to say. It's a great bumper sticker. Love your neighbor. It looks great. Wear it on a T-shirt, man. Get high fives all around. Really hard to do to love them as yourself. And then the last one I think is impossible. To love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you on our own. It's possible. I'll be honest with you. That's some bad news. 
But maybe some of you are asking this question. I think it's a good question to ask. What gives God the right to determine if I'm good? What gives him the right to say that? Why can God determine it? I mean, why am I comparing myself to God's standard? Why can't I just compare myself to other people? Does it really matter? And that's the question to ask yourself. You got to think, well, who is God to you? Who is God? So that's where I go back to the scriptures and see who God is. Because here's the thing. What gives God the right to determine that if I'm good? Nothing else makes sense with, if God's not in it. Because if it's just up to me determining what is good, I'm always going to be striving and climbing ladders and always worrying about what everybody else is doing. And I will always end up frustrated because I can never get it right. I might get it right for a season, but no matter what I do, no matter how I try to fix that relationship, I keep blowing something up. No matter how much I stop, you know, trying to stop that destructive behavior, I keep going back to it like a dog to its vomit. I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm trying to fix it on my own. So I just find myself constantly climbing ladders and trying harder. What gives God the right? See, I believe that God created me. Before my parents even knew who I would be, God knew me. And the Bible says he made me, he formed me fearfully and wonderfully. The Bible refers to me as his masterpiece. And he has good works that he prepared in advance for me to do. So what gives God the right? I think he's my maker. He can tell me to do whatever he wants. The problem is no matter how good we are, we just aren't quite good enough. No matter how good. And some of you, I know you, are great people. There's a lot of people that, in this church that if I spend time with them, I walk away feeling better. You know, it's amazing what you're doing in a community. But if that's all we have, we're just climbing ladders. There's got to be something better. So, oh, tired of that stuff. What's the good news? Now, this is the best stuff, okay? So, I mean, and by the way, when you climb up this ladder, it's really nice because I can see the phone screens really good. It's easy. Okay, anyway. So what is the good news? So if you've been sleeping so far, hold on. You don't want to miss this part. Because my goal is by the end of this, you'll quit climbing ladders and you'll rest instead in something bigger. So we think about this. Aren't we all basically good? Listen to what Paul also says in that same passage in Romans. I would encourage you on your own time, read through Romans chapter 3 and spend some time in there. But I'm just pulling out some highlights. Listen to listen what Paul says. Here's the good news. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. No favoritism here. No matter who you are. Well, you don't know my story. You're right. God does. And yet he says you're accepted if you follow him. But you don't understand what my feel. Right? I don't. Right? Anyone who tells you exclusivity is part. No. It's about following Jesus. When we give our lives to Christ, he will save us no matter who we are. Listen when he keeps going. Yet God in his grace. We just sang about grace earlier. Grace is an incredible word. His unmerited favor, unearned. We didn't earn it, yet God loved us anyway. There's nothing we did to earn his love. No matter how snazzy you dress today, coming to church, God's not more happy with you. In fact, God's not happy with you now because you came to church. Or if you're watching online, you're not earning points with the big guy upstairs. Yet God, in his grace, that's why our church has called it, because without grace, we are nothing. Freely makes us right in his sight. 
God has a standard. He knows we can't make it. So instead, he makes us right in his sight with his grace. He did it through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. I think the passage that really sums this all up is 1 John 4, 9 and 10. Think about you for a second. God showed how much he loved, think about your name, by sending his one and only son into the world so we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take our way, our sins. We love because he loved us. Nothing you did could earn it. So um, about 10 years ago, these things were really popular. These um, obstacle course runs. You guys know what I'm talking about? It wasn't enough to run 13 miles. They had to throw electricity in there and shock you and stuff. Anybody do, everything, do anything like that? Yeah, some are like, all right. Oh, man, that, maybe that's why you're not watching movies. That's cool. Um, but like they did this thing called the Warrior Dash. Anybody remember that? Yeah, Spartan Race. Okay, well, I did the Tough Mudder. Anybody do a Tough Mudder? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So I remember we come up this thing. Well, in this Tough Mudder, and let, let me tell you, as great as I look, and I know I look just one fantastic Great face for radio up here. But as, um, no matter how fit you think I am, I was not prepared for what was about to take place. Because in this middle of the run, you have to run like 13 miles and all that stuff. But in the middle of it, there's this giant thing called a warped wall. Do you guys know what a warped wall is? It's like this thing that goes up, like they used to skateboard on it back in the day. It's one of those walls that are warped and you have to try to get to the top. You had to get up and over it to get out of the thing. I mean, you could have just walked around, but where's the fun in that? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I looked at this wall and I'm like, there ain't no way I'm doing that. My feet are sloppy and muddy and all this stuff. And I looked at it, but I'm like, these people are like, go, go, go. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do it. My buddy from church is like, we got this. Come on, Brad. And he's a lot more fit than I am. I'm like, yeah, well, I was never in the military. And you were, and you're buffer than I am. But I'm going to try. So I run up there, and I give him my best. I really do. I mean, better than how I act when I'm playing against Sawyer in basketball. But I ran after, and I go up there, and I jump, and I reach for the top. And let me tell you. It looked like some of you guys, if you were to try to go touch a basketball rim right now, you think you can get there, but you're like five feet short. That's what it felt like. I run up and I jump, and I know I'm nowhere near the top. I can't make it. I mean, I put my hardest effort in there. I tried to do it. But right when I started to fall, these huge, these guys, now these were men. I'm just a boy, let me tell you. These guys were men. I mean, they're like killed this thing. I'm like, you know, I'm sorry. I probably just, I look like a little kid out here. They reached down, they grabbed my arm. I'm like, I'm not going to make it. And they said a swear word, I ain't going to lie. <laughs> and they're like, bull, and they said it, and they yes. And they drug me up over this wall. And I made it. Everyone's celebrating me. Look what you did, look what you did. I'm like, I didn't do anything. These guys rescued me. They're the ones who should get the glory. They pulled me up over the wall. See, that's what this verse is saying. It's not talking about races. I just wanted to use that as a way to draw a picture, but... God showed how much he loved us. He knew no matter how tr good we tried, we can't climb a ladder high enough. We start getting frustrated. We start getting scared. We start getting, really being who we really are ourselves. We start being selfish and all that stuff. He knows we can't get good enough. And even if we were at the best of the best, he knows we fall short. So he showed his love for us. He stooped down, as David says in Psalm 18, he stooped down to make us great. He stepped into our mess by sending his son Jesus to live on this earth, step out of heaven where everything is perfect, no pain, no destruction. He stepped out of heaven, stepped into a dirty world, 
born in humble circumstances and walk on this earth, a place where he would be mocked and mistreated, ultimately where he would lay down his life and pay the ultimate sacrifice. He knew we couldn't do it, so he did it for us. That's the God that we worship. So are we good? No. I mean, when I compare myself to other people, sure. I went on a missions trip one time. Yeah, I feel good about that. You know, I give some money to the church. I wave to my neighbors. I smile at people that are strangers. But I'm not good enough. God showed me his love. And look what it is. Here's we see how God's love is as we look through this. God's love is intentional. God's love is proven. God's love is, pur- is sacrificial. And God's love is unconditional. And all of that is free for every one of us. Jesus is saying, stop climbing ladders to try to get to me. Stop striving to be the best version of yourself. Because in the end, it's not going to matter. Because from the beginning of time, I knew you and I loved you. And I knew you would need my help. I knew you'd be lost in this world as desperate and hopeless. And some of us feel like, you know, I feel like my life's pretty good. There you know there's still questions that go unanswered that you haven't, don't have the answer for. If you're all alone and thinking about them. You know, those things that dis- you distract yourself from, those thoughts that you don't want to deal with. Right? All of us, we have those. But God rescued us out of this dark place that led to pain and destruction. He says when we call out to him and believe him, he picks us up out of there. We can't jump out of there. We can't climb a ladder out of there. He picks us out of there. And he doesn't just put us on a path. He puts us into his family. And it's a family where love is the family business. And he says, now you're adopted as my sons and daughter. You once were lost, but now you're found. You once were dead, but now you're alive. You're blind, now you can see. You once were an orphan, but now you are my child. That's intentional. He ran after you. He ran after me. Even in our worst spots. He's proven. He didn't just say he loved you. Like right now, I could be like, hey, I love you guys. I love you all. Welcome to Grace Church. I love you all. That's, that's easy to say. Talk is cheap. I'm driving down West Market Street on the way home, and if I, say, I see you in danger, and I just keep going because I'm tired. You're like, I don't know if that guy really loves me. Talk is cheap. God can easily say he loves us, but he proved it by sending Jesus to die for us. His love is sacrificial. It costs, as love really does. True love always costs. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You love those kids and one day they leave you. Right? And it hurts you. You know, you love your, you love your, you love your parent and then one day God takes them home. Love costs. It really does. He's sacrificial. Jesus sacrificed and his love was unconditional. There's no exceptions. Everyone is loved by God. It's whether you choose to step into his family or not. So there's a path to be good, and that path is only found in Jesus. The path is not found by striving harder, by being a better citizen, by considering your neighbor, by being kinder, by, being, by working harder, by killing that, that bad habit and taking on a new one. That's not how, where it is found. This is not the path. I'm driving the camera person nuts right now. Woo, woo. <laughs> Sorry, I get really distracted. Anyway, there is a path, though. The path is good. It's only through Jesus. So a couple things to think about. 
Stop striving to be good. Start being with Jesus. I don't want my kids to work hard to impress me. Buy me big gifts. The gifts are nice though, let's be honest. I just want them to be with me. Your heavenly father. He doesn't want to see you frustrated and climbing ladders, getting frustrated, striving harder, be better. Come on, try harder. Wearing a a rubber band around her every time you have a bad thought, smacking your finger, throwing your computer out the window, whatever. He doesn't want us to do that stuff. What he needs us to do is focus on Jesus. Because when we spend time with Jesus, it's like a waterfall. Waterfalls happen when the, water, when the ground up above swells up with water, which is too much for that spot to contain, and it starts flowing out to other people. That's what Jesus does for us. He fills us up with love so much with who he is, it begins to change us, and we change how we live, and we become different. What happens in a drought? The waterfalls are dead. They're gone because there's no water at the source anymore. And I think that's where a lot of us are right now. We're striving to make waterfalls. We're striving to be great. But we haven't been with Jesus for a long time. Don't overcomplicate it. How do you be with Jesus? Spend time with him. Focus on him. So what I do is I try to spend time reading the Bible. Not so that I can get something out of it or so I can act better. Because in the Bible I get Jesus. And the more I spend time with Jesus, the more I begin to change. And the more I become the person that God made me to be. You want to be a good neighbor that doesn't come by reading blogs or watching Instagram reels. The source of becoming a better neighbor is by becoming more like Jesus. Stop striving to be good. Start being with Jesus. Embrace the gospel. Stop trying to make a difference. Everybody wants to make a difference. Oh, go make a difference. Everybody wants to change the world. Everybody does. I don't think it's possible. You might, you, might put it, you might be able to do some nice things for people. But you really want to make a difference in the world? Embrace the fact that Jesus Christ saw you at your worst, saw me at my worst, and loved me anyway. So much that he died for me. And he said, all you have to do is believe in me. Believe that I died for you, and then rose again, and I'll show you how to live. And follow me. Turn from following your own path. Turn from the path of pain and destruction. Turn and follow me. It's embracing that. Now I know some of us in here are like, I know we kind of got the B talk tonight. I've heard this gospel thing a couple times before. I mean, I've been in church for a long time. I mean, I can quote all the verses that lead all these things. And that might be true for some of us. That's good. But my question for you is, but why are you still trying to climb ladders to earn his love? Yeah, I know that Jesus loves me. I know he died for me. I believe that with all my heart. Yeah, but why are you still thinking that if you don't do the right things, he's not going to love you anymore? Oh, I mean, I should pray to God, but you know, I haven't been really spending much time with him. Why would he answer this prayer? Oh man, I better get to church because God hasn't seen me for a while and I know he wants me to be at church. So I go to get there because if not, you know, he's keeping score up there. We, we say, we know that, we say God loves us. But I'm not sure we really believe that he loves us unconditionally and that we can't earn it. I still think a lot of times we walk through that there's a God that's waiting to see us mess up and he's disappointed with us and we've got to make him happy. Or some of you say, oh yeah, I've heard this all before. Another way you're climbing ladders is you're trying to be better, but when you're doing this, 
If your eyes aren't set on Jesus, it's not because of him, you start looking at judgment with people. Us Christians right now, we don't have a good reputation. I don't know if you know this or not. When people hear the words Christians, they don't think, man, God is love. Those Christians are known by their love. These Christians are known as judgmental, hypocrites, who are very intolerant people. I think the reason why is because we're striving to do what God tells us to do, but we're doing it on our own effort, and we're not, our pride is overtaking us, and we're forgetting that we're not any better than anybody else. But man, when we embrace the gospel that I did nothing to earn it, but only Jesus saved me, that I am a low and I am a wretch, that I can't meet God's standard, yet he saved me anyway, then we start approaching God with gratitude. And when we're with him, it starts water falling out of us to all the people around us. Imagine what would happen in your family if instead of trying to be a better dad, you start becoming more like Jesus. Instead of trying not to mess up and start walking around with guilt and shame and fear because you know you're not hitting all the right spots, imagine if you could just rest in the love of God and seek after him. And then when you blow it, you ask for forgiveness, but you know that's not who you are anymore because Jesus has changed you. Imagine what would happen what kind of brother you would be to your sisters or whatever. Imagine how your neighborhood would change if your home became known as a place that's like, I don't know, there's some weird people in there, but they just seem different. You're not starting to think, how can I love my neighbor more? It's just starting to ooze out of you, waterfall out of you, because you're spending so much time with God, it's changing you. Man, you want to make a difference in the world, embrace the gospel, let God change you from the inside out. And then it's not something you're trying to do, but you're, you can't help but doing it. Because when we do that, we start approaching people the way that Jesus did. We start loving the people that the world tells us to hate. We start loving people who are different than us, and we have no room to hate anybody. Why would we ever hate anybody? Because I once was lost. I was just right where they, they just haven't found Jesus yet. And how can we get them to him? So last things here. On our own, we can never be good enough. On our own, we're just climbing ladders. But in Christ, we can be forgiven. So I'd encourage you when you think about Christ and you think about all the ways you've fallen, what I'd encourage you to do, instead of thinking about how bad you feel because of that, I want you to spend some time talking to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I know I fall short of your standard. I know I've sinned. I'm not, I know you're not going to kick me out of your family, but I know I've sinned and I know that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And say, God, will you forgive me for doing that? And then he'll wash that away from you. And he'll look at you just as if you'd never sinned. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he'll separate that from you. You know what freedom there is in forgiveness? Because now you don't have to think about it anymore. But the devil doesn't want you to do that. So what the devil does is he keeps reminding you what you did. But once you know, once it's forgiven, that's not God bringing it up anymore. That's the, that's the old guy trying to get me back to live like that. I'm free. On our own, we can never be good enough. But in Christ, we are made new. Imagine what would happen if we as a church, if we as individuals ran after Jesus. He would always take us into where hurting people are and take that light into the world. New creation. On our own, we could never be good enough. But in Christ, we will find ourselves doing more good than we ever thought we could before. You want to make a difference? Stop by striving harder and climbing more ladders, and trying to be perfect, and trying to be better, trying to find your best life now. Stop trying to find all of these things. And start sitting at the feet of Jesus, the perfect one, 
who created us all. And he said, I love you this much and stepped into our world. God's amazing. He loves us. The band's gonna come out. When they come out, I'm gonna pray. And I encourage you during these next few songs, I know sometimes we wanna rush out, all this stuff, and maybe I want a little, whatever. But I encourage you, wherever you go, from here or there, to consider, is Jesus who he said he is? Am I enjoying being with him or am I trying to climb ladders to be better? And where does this path that I want to take me? And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, that's okay. Just be honest of where you are. But I would encourage you to consider what if he is who he says he is? Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word and thank you for its truth. Thank you for the many ways in which you stepped into our world. Lord, you are a good God. And I am not a good person. Because, Lord, I know my pride. I know my selfishness. I know my favoritism. Lord, I just know my callousness towards things. But, Lord, you love me anyway. Lord, I thank you for the people who are in this room. Or even watching online, Lord. Same truth. Doesn't matter where we are. You loved us, Lord, and showed us without condition. And Lord, you made a way for us to run after you. Lord, you showed us what real love is. And Lord, I pray that we embrace that. So Lord, now as we sing these songs, as we spend some time, Lord, I pray that you'll speak to our heart. You are a great God. Thank you, Lord, for considering us. In your name we pray. Amen.